2: Well, hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And today we've got something a little different for you. Um, I'm going to introduce you to a project that I worked on, actually a trip that I went on a little over a year and a half ago called Project Raige. And Project Raige was a project that um, my friend Carolyn McGraw and I came up with. Carolyn came equipped with these deep relationships in Africa, um, people that she had been working with on the development end and as a documentary uh, film producer. And I had come with some relationships to some small business women here in the United States. And together we thought, what what could we do? What could we create? How could we empower some of the women uh, in both Swaziland and Mozambique um, by taking these designers, these artisans, these crafters, these small business women from Los Angeles and the, uniting them with some of the women in Swaziland and Mozambique that needed work. So sit tight and listen to some of the people that I'm about to introduce you to. Uh, you can learn more about the Project Rage uh, story and uh, the intention of our trip by reading about us in the Liberty Editorial Journal. And yes, that is a straight up shout out. So head over to the website, libertyforher.com and you can pick up your own copy there. Um, Also wanted to let you know that these interviews were conducted um, about a half a year after the trip. And now we're catching up to find out what's next. They went on the trip They connected with the uh, women in these respective countries. They accomplished what they set out to do. But now how do they kind of fit the sustainability part into it? And what are the things they're doing now over a year and a half later to ensure that that work continues? So, again, um, I welcome Carolyn McGraw and her story to the first part of this Liberty Session. So, Carolyn... Before we kind of take everybody through kind of what became Project Rage, um, can you give us just a little bit of your background as a producer?
3: Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having (laughs) me in your studio, Netta. Yes, absolutely. I think my passion for producing stories um, began when I went to Africa in 2006. Um, And about three years later, uh, a vision that I had for a film – to um, basically shed light on a country that was suffering from the worst pandemic, AIDS pandemic uh, in the world, Swaziland, Africa, came to fruition. And a film crew, we landed on the soil and we built community within the towns and the villages, but also within the government. Mm. Um, And so that's where my journey with film began. And I'm really passionate about telling stories that benefit humanity. And so that's where we launched. We filmed a documentary. It took us three years. Um, We are now on Netflix. So that's That's our permanent home. And the only reason why I say that is because, um, as you know, it has an incredible audience. So it's a great platform to land so that people can learn about the country and then do something. Sure. Um,
2: tell us the name of the film. And again, um, if we don't see it on Netflix, is there
3: another way for us to access it? Of course. Okay. It's called Never a Neverland. And the title um, came about when the World Health Organization um, said by 2020, unless radical intervention was made in Swaziland, there'd be no more Swazis. Wow. So um, we didn't want it to become a Neverland like Peter Pan. So we said Never a Neverland. I love that. So it is on it's on Netflix, it's on Amazon, um, and Vimeo. Okay.
2: And tell us just for those of us listening who don't know where Swaziland is, can sure. you just give us
3: a little bit of Kinda geography? Like Swazi who? yeah. Hu, Where yeah. is it at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Swaziland, if you picture Africa, you can fit. Three United States inside of Africa. So Swaziland is at the very tip, the very southern tip of Africa, and it's surrounded by Mozambique. It's landlocked. It's the only, it's the last monarchy left in Africa. And if you want to equate it, you know, context wise to size, it's the size of New Jersey. Okay. So less than a million people and highest rate of AIDS.
2: Okay. And it's Mozambique to the north and South Africa. South of that, right? That's okay. Okay. um, Mm -hmm. And what um, compelled you to get into film? So before you decided to make this particular film, what was your trajectory or path um, from the work you were doing prior to film into Mm -hmm. film? I know you have um, four adult children who I've had the pleasure of meeting who are um, sort of extraordinary people. So I, I know that some of the work you were doing was just um, raising these four lives. Mm-hmm. But what what did you do or when did you know that film was the path for you?
3: I think it was that original trip when I landed in Africa and uh, my eyes were open to so many things. And um, I happen to believe, if I can say this, that um, that God is ultimate creator. You can say that. Okay, <laughs> we're we're cool here. <laughs> okay, that. Yeah. so um, so in that, um, I just believe you can paint a beautiful picture through film, through music, through art, through spoken word, where people might not come and mm-hmm. listen to you talk about Africa or liberty. Um, if you do a film, or you have a concert, sure. or you have a live artist painting, people are going to come and listen to the story and kind of. I guess it's like stepping into a painting. They're invited into the story. Sure. And I really felt moved that I'd seen incredible films, but I was also, after the film, left with what do I do now? Yeah. And so for me, the follow up part for that was let's do a film, but let's also do an action campaign. Okay. And that's- Kind of the trail we're going down with Project Rage. There's the accent right. component to it. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's interesting to me. You had no film background, landed in this country and said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a film to tell this story that, um, in the process of telling the story, won't only educate, but will hopefully well uh, raise awareness slash money for this campaign. And then... Yeah. Subsequent to that, you've gone back year after year mm-hmm. to, um, I know you created a walk. In fact, when we were in Swaziland, <laughs> we saw some of the signs, right. the remnants of the walks yeah. that you created, mm-hmm. um, called steps over, Swazi, steps correct? over
3: Swaziland. Yeah.
2: And so, um, tell us a little bit about what, what was the intention of getting people to literally walk across the country? What was the hope?
3: Sure. So, um, just real quick to go back to the film piece of it. Um, no, I had not done a film before uh, this documentary, but I was inspired by a film that I saw, and it was called Most. Mm. And it ended up that the director and writer of Most, I said, if I ever made a film, I would want them working on this film. And they ended up, two of the three people oh in Most ended up working on on Never and Neverland. So wow. that was kind of full circle for me. I was so inspired by the cinematic beauty and the story of that film um, that I wanted those people to work on the film that we were making. So that ended up happening. That's amazing. Um, the Steps Over Swaziland was like part two. We were filming the documentary and really kind of a three-pronged approach, education, um, commerce, mm-hmm. and then medical, like orphan care. Mm-hmm. And so within those three prongs, we worked with people in Africa that were on the ground doing the work Mm 24-7, and then a few American entities. So we really were wanting to um, use both from the U.S. and Africa um, and really let the nationals speak into what they wanted done in the country. Um, So that was kind of the action component piece to it. And then the walk was... um, I thought, how do we raise more awareness? How do we yeah. get people more involved? And I looked at Martin Luther King. I looked at Mother Teresa. I looked at Gandhi. And I went, all of them rallied people peacefully
4: mm-hmm. when
3: they were passionate about a cause. And so um, I would landed on Martin Luther King's walk from Selma. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it took them three approaches to cross, get over that Wait. bridge and get the right to vote. And so I said, well, let's just walk across the country and do the same thing. We'll just walk peacefully and talk to the people and go from town to town, provide medical care, just be in community with them, um, do clothing exchanges, all of that. And so we walked um, 11 miles a day for 11 days, 122 miles across wow. the country.
2: So you created this film uh, along the way, developed relationships in Swaziland, and I think really deepened your love of country and, um, And so when you came to me, it was, hey, um, I know you've been wanting to get to Africa. I have an idea. What if we partner together and try and marry our respective um, backgrounds, Mm -hmm. yours uh, in field producing and mine in consulting small businesses um, for women predominantly? And what if we uh, take these first identify designers from the States, take them over to Swaziland and Mozambique. Mm -hmm. We included another country um, for this trip and introduce them to artisans there that they could collaborate with, buy back those units Mm -hmm. uh, from the artisans so that they could uh, be paid immediately and sell them stateside. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that it's over, can you believe the, that you were able to do that in this country where when you first landed was dealing with such a grave um, medical situation. Can you believe that so much life has come of it since then?
3: It's, it's incredibly inspiring and humbling and um, overwhelming really. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you know me, but I believe when you connect people, you create community and then that Inspires the change, sure, and that's what's happened. This incredible community of women took a chance to go help another incredible group of women. Yeah, um, and so again, that was our goal: is to connect, you know, designers and social entre- entrepreneurs from the U.S. Yeah, to the artisans and. Swaziland and Mozambique and these women do not lack skills or anything they lack access and mm-hmm. they lack if you can think about in Swaziland with the AIDS pandemic or in Mozambique post-civil war 25 years right um, they just need training and skills and just the ability to have access and sure. that's what this incredible group with Project Rage has. Sure done.
2: So for those listening, um, project rage, um, what started out as a trip, essentially you and I organizing a trip, um, very intentionally with these designers, you putting, uh, these day trips together for us, connecting us with the artisans, um, some people that you knew, some people that you were three degrees of separation from, uh, so people that you knew who knew people who needed what we were there to do. Um, We were all connected. Um, One of the probably most amazing days is when we were at the orphanage, El Mm -hmm. Shaddai. And before we arrived, sort of rumor had it um, in the village that we were coming. And we expected 10, 15, 25, I think at most, Mm -hmm. women to show up. And we had 40 women and some boys and men show up to take... um, an entrepreneurial workshop and then, uh, sort of these artisan workshops, craft workshops with our respective designers. So uh, all of these connections that you had started out with for the sake of the film have now turned into connections that are bringing commerce opportunities back to Swaziland. And again, Mm -hmm. including Mozambique, um, is that what you had intended when you came to me and said, Hey, I have this vision for how we make these connections. Was that what you had in mind all along or did that sort of organically grow into what it, what it is now, this project raised. Yeah,
3: I think it did grow, but I I do think it was a seed. It was a seed with the film because we did want an action campaign, like I said before. Mm, I really wanted people to see the film and go, well, what can I do and how can I help? So that's where we had the organizations in the medical part, uh, the Luke Commission, which is incredible, which is why the AIDS pandemic is getting better there in that country. Um, And then we had education piece and um, commerce piece, right? The commerce piece has been just in my heart and the seeds been there. I sure. just didn't know how to quite facilitate it. So this was that, that third right. component mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. coming
2: into play and, and um, um, being the other part of your action campaign. Absolutely. It, it, it was realized. Yeah.
3: Um, what was your favorite part of the trip? Oh, too many favorite parts. Yeah, um, Incredible women, yeah. Um, it was quite some a that I knew and some that I didn't know. But by the end of the journey, we all knew each other really well. Um, I have to say there were just really fun moments. There were fun moments of dinner, cooking together yeah. in Mozambique. We made flour tortillas. Yeah. And <laughs> we spent it. hours in the kitchen just talking. And margaritas with and that margaritas, silly machine. Um, that with the shave machine. ice. Yeah. We yeah. did shave yeah. ice that margaritas. Awesome. Who knew in Mozambique you yeah. can make shave ice margaritas really good. Um, and so that was one of my favorite moments is whenever we were in the kitchen together and cooking together and sharing community, sitting down at the table, talking about what we did in the field that day, um, that those are special moments um the moment in swaziland when the tribe of dreamers and rachel brown art and carly and ara and sarah with ara and lauren with you me and yourself all were received by the community yeah. there that was our first stop yeah. on this trip so that was pretty remarkable um yeah and then i just think in mozambique just being able to see the difference between swaziland even though it's developed just how much less, how much more rural Mozambique is. Yeah. So we got to see two really different sides of commerce from each country. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just really it's the people. It's the people and the connection and being in country. Um, and a really, there were many funny moments, but one was when we were on safari. And, um, of course, we are all... Out in nature and thinking it's amazing, and our driver actually we come upon these rhinos. Yeah. Which, if anybody knows anything about rhinos, were they, were they white rhinos
2: or black rhinos no, 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 or they something?
3: Were, they weren't the really mean, aggressive, dangerous ones. They're the opposite they the of whatever
2: opposite they were. But yeah. there was like eight I of them. Guess we should know what they were. Yeah.
3: So rhinos in general, and he let us out of the yeah. jeep. I thought which he was you're kidding. Not supposed to, yeah. and he actually walked us over to this big group of rhinos, and he said, "If I." eat my stick on the ground start to back up if I wave it in front of them you know then really start to back up quicker Um, anyways all of that happened and by the end of it you know, we're the one in the movies you see that gets everybody yeah. killed because we all just run. I know, and we ran back to the jeep. So, anyways, that was that was kind of that a was a funny good one. Yeah.
2: And it was, and it was funny because I think right we before we pulled into that, somebody, one of the one of the crew that had been on safari prior, said, "Oh, you never see anything on safari," and we saw everything. We saw like five lions, and we, you know, I remember Carly take trying to take pictures at the front of the um, of the car and it was like, come back. That lion's going to jump on you. That was awesome. That was awesome to be, to, to see that part of Africa, especially after we had been, um, experiencing, um, kind of the heaviness, um, and I, and throughout I think, the and this is a time. great
3: point, maybe just to wrap too on this is that, That's one of my heartbeats is to get people on the soil um, because there's a beauty in Africa that you can't describe to people until they get on the soil and meet the people and dance and sing and go on safari. And yes, there's hardships, um, but there's a lot more hope than hardships. And so Project Rage is part of that tangible hope that we're bringing to the women.
2: That's awesome. That is absolutely a great note to wrap on. And now I'd like for you guys to listen to Lauren Wallace's story um, as she informs a little bit why her brand, Yumi, was so uh, interested in taking this particular trip. So, Lauren, unlike most of us, you had been to Swaziland and Mozambique before with Yumi. What was it about this particular trip with Project Rage that was unique for you?
5: Yeah, in all the trips that I'd been to... Swaziland and like since 2008 and Mozambique since 2010 it had always been focused on our clothing exchanges and our community projects so we've never done anything working with artisans or kind of product development so when that opportunity came up I was so excited because it kind of perfectly aligned with where we were at with you and me. so I was really excited to kind of branch out beyond just our apparel um, and think of accessories and think of other ways that people could where and connect with the Yumi story, as well as the communities we are working in.
2: Let me back up really quickly, because I want to make sure that our listener understands. So initially, again, the tattered clothing from the children in the orphanage were brought to you, exchanged for school clothing. The tattered clothing was brought to the United States, United States washed, applied to brand new t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, they were applied in some sort of creative way. It, my recollection is they're all sort of at the bottom of the t-shirt. And yeah, it's changed over the years. Okay. We've
5: had a lot of different kinds of patches, um, which is so, fun. Yeah. we we yeah. our
2: household has a few of them, and we love yeah. them. And then you would have these sewing groups gather. again, this was an effort to build community, to mm-hmm. share the mission of what was going on in Africa with these children and sort of unite people behind this cause. Yeah, then you saw a, a need in-house to, for quality control and, and, and to bring in an in-house sewer. So rather than bringing in an in-house sewer, that was, um, you know, a woman who could sew, you said, well, Mm -hmm. how can we benefit, um, or give back to somebody who has this skill set? And you went to an organization, uh, that was enabling refugees to find Mm -hmm. work and you hired from there.
5: Yeah. Yeah. The international rescue committee in San Diego.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, So we had
5: connections there. So one of the
2: things that was cool about Project Reige and what you were doing there is buying capellanas, the material, mm-hmm. the African material uh, that so many of us are familiar with. You were buying mm-hmm. it. We, I remember going to the market with you. There was a creepy man standing outside, so I was a <laughs> yes. little bit, so, I was a <laughs> yeah. little trying to deal with him, but I remember a distracting yeah a little distracting, but I remember you in there sourcing these different fabrics, knowing that you were going to bring them back to the States, mm-hmm. and that this woman was going to help sew these pieces. You were making these neck scarves, and,
6: mm-hmm.
2: and she was going to sew. So the idea of these two groups of women who don't know each other, who were working in concert with one another, to, um, in essence, raise money to give back to the children was mm-hmm. kind of remarkable. It was like to see it full circle. Um, could you have imagined uh, before the trip, that this was kind of how this was all going to come together?
5: No, I mean, I think we had some ideas. We had talked and I'd talked with you and kind of ran through some scenarios of what would be kind of our dream products or dream things to make, but watching it kind of all actually unfold and then bringing it back here and, you know, training her how to make the neckties and watching her work with the fabric. And she was so excited because they have that fabric in Somalia too. It's, I forget what the name is called. It's not Capilana, but it's basically the same kind of, type of fabric and so she just got this look on her face of just like pure joy she's and, familiar with you know, it and it probably brought yeah and of she's memory. just yeah she's just a an amazing woman and uh, such a hard worker and so it was so cool like she she gets it like she's in and she's just 100% like stoked that her stuff is getting sold to benefit communities that she'll probably never meet Uh, Uh, while it's also helping her to bring an income and support her family, um, which gives her purpose and, you know, gives her something uh, motivating to do, you know, every week.
2: And now I want you to hear a little bit from Carly Rudd. Carly is a traveler extraordinaire. If you've been on her Instagram, Carly's camera, you've seen those um, coveted locations that she's been to and beautifully photographed and uh, it's interesting to hear how a photographer made a trip like this um, and the things that she walked away with so sit tight and listen to Carly So Carly, what was it about the project rage trip that inspired you to go had you been on other social impact trips before or was this a new thing for you?
6: this was certainly a new thing for me and I think what inspired me to go on the trip I mean any any sort of experience that involves travel, I I certainly jump jump for that. And Africa had actually been high on my list as a place to visit. And so Netta when you brought it up to me. It was almost like a no brainer. I I don't even think I thought about it once. I not about not going once. It was just like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> yes. I remember being very, very happy that um, your response was, was a
2: yes, a resounding yes. Yeah. yeah. What was it the, I guess, um, was it about being a photographer that was going on this trip with us? Cause we really brought you along. Um, in a slightly different capacity. So other people were brought yeah. along as designers who were going to partner with mm-hmm. the the women and men there. Um, yeah. And in your situation, it was kind of twofold. One, yeah. we needed somebody to capture the trip so that we could come back and tell these stories. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you ended up coming up with this um, idea that you could take pictures, um, capture these images of Africa, both Mozambique and, um, Swaziland, and then sell some of the prints, I think more specifically in Mozambique in -hmm. an effort to raise, um, both awareness, but mainly money to fix the wells there. Was that something that you had sort of, was that a premeditated thing or was it a natural extension of what we were doing there and wanting to get on in on that action to go more than just in the capacity of photographer?
6: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for me as a photographer, it was a kind of a perfect fit because at that point in my career, I was beginning to explore creating fine art prints. And so that felt like a natural extension of what I was doing. In addition to more of this kind of documentarian style photography where I was capturing the women and the designers on the trip. Um, so I feel like it was this perfect fit for me to to go on this trip and have the opportunity to create prints from the different travels and places that we went to and then also flex my muscles as more of that kind of documentarian photographer. Sure. You flex that muscle for sure. We, <laughs> we worked you oh my goodness.
2: hard. <laughs> oh, I think fuck. it was, it was hard to be there with you and not, I mean, everything was amazing and everything. Yeah. We were so desperate to capture it that I, I mean, one of the sounds of Africa for me is Carly over here. Carly, come take this
5: shot.
6: (laughs) I know. And for me too, even if you guys, even if everyone wasn't demanding, you know, my time and efforts as a photographer capturing these moments, I would have been doing it anyways. It's just, style. I can't not, you know, work myself like that, especially when you're on this amazing experience, you just feel like you want to capture everything. And it was so new. Everything was so new. So It was a really special trip. It was
2: a really special trip. (laughs) Having visited both Mozambique and Swaziland as a photographer and seeing Mm -hmm. the country through a literal lens, what Mm -hmm. stood out to you um, about the landscape, the people, the various communities that we experienced? Mm -hmm. Um, Was it what you expected? Were there any surprises?
6: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this trip to Africa, like I said earlier, this was the first time I was visiting the continent and... I think the media and even a lot of other photographers work tend to portray Africa as this kind of brutal place and sadly. And so I think um, I had these images in my mind going there and then was just amazingly surprised by the beauty of the landscape and the people. And it was so opposite of what yeah. I think that the media and, and that world kind of creates um, that vision they create of Africa. And so, yeah, that certainly stood out and surprised me. And just, yeah, the the beauty of the people and their smiles will just stay with me forever. And I, I, you get to visit a lot of amazing places, but Africa and Swaziland and Mozambique. Something about the smiles and the people just, yeah, stay with me forever. They were so beautiful.
2: Yeah, they were. I can remember, and I'm sure you'll remember this too. We were capturing video Mm -hmm. outside of the El Shaddai. um, um, It was their kind of community center, the orphanage, and we were capturing a bit of video where the women said, "And this, we will share this at some point with Liberty, Mm -hmm. but." where they said, um, I am Liberty. Was that what we had them say? And you and I just both started crying and they were like, what did we, (laughs) did we say it wrong? What happened? And we were, I I mean, I couldn't even speak. And I was so thankful that you were there, like somebody to to witness that with me. There is something profoundly special
6: about
3: the people there.
6: Yeah. And I remember this one instance where we were photographing the women at, um, Carol Stevens. And one of the women, she was, she was a weaver and I was taking photos of her. And a lot of these women have never seen Mm. themselves in a mirror, let alone a photograph. And I remember distinctly this one woman taking photographs of her and then showing her, you know, turning my camera around and showing her the images on my screen. And she was just in love and she's lit up and was like, I'm beautiful. And just to have that experience with that one woman and i i did it often and it happened more throughout the trip too just showing showing these people these photographs of themselves and seeing the joy in their in their eyes and how excited they were and how beautiful they thought they were was something really special too
2: and yeah how cool for you as a photographer who's like yeah. i'm not here just to document this but i'm here yeah. to share with you my talent Mm -hmm. and my gift in a, in a special way. That's awesome. Well, um, it was an amazing trip. I'm looking forward to a way that we can all find our way back there or an opportunity where we can all find our way back there. It was, it was amazing and so grateful, um, that I got to share that with you and that, um, we got to see your gifts come to life through that trip. And now a word from Sarah Contruchy-Smith. Um, and Sarah is going to tell us a little bit how Ara Collective, um, her company that is actually in the business of working with artisans all over the world, how she decided that this particular trip was something unique and something that she needed to do and how she fitted into her bigger, um, bigger plans and bigger picture for her company. Sarah, unlike some of the people that were part of the Project Rage trip, actually lived in Uganda and worked in Uganda for uh, several years. And so um, that puts you in a slightly different position than many of us who had traveled to developing countries and done work in developing countries, but you actually lived there. So what was it about um, the Project Rage trip that was different from other social impact trips you'd been a part of in the past?
0: Yeah, um, well, it was different in multiple ways. Um, typically, when I work overseas, um, I'm either working for a company or recently in the last couple of years, I'm, I have my own company that works overseas. And so I am doing it alone. And so this was really a cool opportunity. I felt like that really you introduced me to um, with other designers and um, where we were all going together to meet a variety of artisans um, and kind of do it together, not on a project level, but um, sort of just on a general social impact exploratory trip. Yeah. Um, and I don't even really know how to explain that well. It was just such a unique opportunity to go to a new area of Africa since it's such a large continent and all so so different um I had been to South Africa but I had never been to Mozambique and Swaziland so that was really different but then also to be traveling with um people like you um and other designers and to um, really feed off of each other in that way inspire each other encourage each other um even get feedback yeah. from each other while we were developing new ideas with
2: Yeah. And it's funny because I think if you talk to anybody, of course, meeting the women there and just being in the beautiful parts of the country, the the two countries, I think one of the things that was a huge value was on those long, bumpy road trips um, was just being able to do exactly what you said. Bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. each other, kind of ideate out loud, um, which you don't always have the opportunity to do. And with other people who have had the same exact experience, so often you come home from a trip like that and you're trying to describe it to somebody and then get feedback, but they just don't have the same context. And I think it was really unique yeah. to say, "Hey, you were standing right there with me. This doesn't apply to your business because you, you know, sell jewelry. Let's say, for example, um, but it applies to mine because I have a. Uh, this is I'm talking as though I'm you. Um, this applies to my." Um, uh, my business that's full of kind of housewares and and you know design items for the home. What do you think of this? And I think the feedback was phenomenal and really um, helped people to generate even things they hadn't thought of. Never mind to perfect the ideas that they had come up with. So it sounds like you're saying yeah. that wasn't something you had experienced before.
0: Maybe I know of other designers that live in that country. Um, but it is a completely different experience to meet up with a group of entrepreneurs and creatives that are all doing different things all with the same heart. Yeah. Um, and, and even just beyond what we were doing then, even to talk to each other about like, how do you do Instagram for yeah. your company? How do you hire people? How, what do you think works and doesn't work for marketing for your company? You just General conversations like that on those long dirt roads yeah, that we were taking. There were
2: lots of them. Um, <laughs> it was really fun to be on the trip with you. It was fun to be on the trip with everybody, but it was fun to watch you work because you, while you are open to the possibilities, you actually have a very directed or focused eye, not only in product, but in how much it needs to be priced at what how it fits in your greater collection, which season you're going to move that item. So it sounds like you have this ability or you have had this ability in this particular case to both be, be focused on the business and the needs of the business, but also be open to the possibilities, including this one. It came up. I can, I very much remember calling you and saying, Hey, I have an idea for you. Um, I was, it was in, I was in my downtown um, uh, loft and former office it sounds like I have like multiple places that I live I don't I live with my family in Pasadena but um and I remember I couldn't get reception so I was going up and down the alley where the garbage stunk and I was trying to convince you that this was a good idea and you wouldn't just say yes so I had to keep walking by the stinky garbage until you finally
0: (laughs) yes yeah I was really hesitant I was hesitant about going back to Africa you know I I um unfortunately, like so many people do that live and work overseas, I had managed to burn myself out um, and was really excited about Latin America. And I grew up in Asia. So I was excited about having Ara starting to work in Asia sooner rather than later also. And, you know, I was, my, my sights were not set on Africa. And I wanted to make sure that um, I have some friends that I met when I was in East Africa and they've started businesses. And so, you know, I wanted to be sure that like I wasn't starting a collection that um, was in any way a competition to theirs and just I could continue to support their, their work also. And so I just, it wasn't on my radar whatsoever. Um, And I'm so glad I said yes, because Swazi and Mozambique were just completely different experiences than anything I've ever had um, on the rest of the continent. It was just, really fascinating and just such a beautiful, diverse continent.
2: And lastly, we had an interview with three of the different artisans um, that we brought along with us, Rachel Brown of Rachel Brown Art, Jen Boschma of Love Verte, and Annie Walker of Sonder Goods. Now, at the time we went on the trip, Annie and Jen were partners in their project called Tribe of Dreamers, and that work continues, but they've also independently um, started their own their own uh, respective businesses and those businesses continue to do a lot of work in the developing in developing countries and uh, a lot of impact work is coming from them both together and with their independent ventures so I want to just hear a little bit about why did you jump on this trip this concept this idea Uh, before you really even knew exactly what was going to come of it. I had been wanting to
1: kind of get outside of myself. Um, I mean, being an artist, working by myself all the time, um, I wanted to connect it to a cause that was bigger than me, um, and I didn't know how to go about doing that. And when I was in Columbia, South America, on a New Year's trip, just purely for pleasure, and I got this thought when I was in a bus ride, I was like, I want to work with artists in other parts of the world and that are actually helping me manufacture and using their yeah. designs as well and giving part of their money back to them because i was talking to a girl she's a translator and she goes um she there is no industry for them where they were she was tra- she was translating but that's that seasonal work that when the tourists are gone she has exactly. no work and i was thinking how cool would it be To have her actually work with me somehow, but I had no idea how to get that going and where to even begin. And then Jen had met with you and had told me at Project Rige, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what Mm -hmm. I want to do. I didn't know where I wanted to start it, but to have Carolyn's connections already in Africa, and I mean, relationship, is where everything starts from, and the trust, and she'd already built that, and she knew these people well and really, really well, and they were friends, and she has history with them, and that... Alone can take years to establish in a a new place. So, for me, having that groundwork in place before we went in, it was a no-brainer.
2: What for you made this particular trip different, and one you were willing to invest in and take time away from work on? And like, what was the thing that made you say, "There's something here that feels different"? And the reason I want to ask the question is, I want those who are listening to help them start to identify what is that for them? Mm -hmm. How do I take my art? How do I take my creative endeavor? How do I take my business, whatever it is, and extend it so that I can affect change, so I can do something Mm -hmm. that's good? So what is it? what was that for you that made it feel like there's something different here? Or was it? Was it, this doesn't feel different, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's an
7: adventure. Who wants to you can start, Oh, China. boy, OK. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it definitely is different than anything I'd ever done before. Um, I worked in Haiti for a little bit. Uh, I lived in Cambodia and was a part of a women's empowerment program, and uh, Rach and I did a trip through a church that we went to, or go to, Mosaic, um, in India. And all of those experiences were, I mean, so many different things. It's hard to sum up. Mm-hmm. Um, But what's unique about this experience was I felt like not only was it just bigger than myself and bigger than our company, but it felt like there was really a chance for it to be sustainable Mm -hmm. and to really make change. And um, to, like, I think the best way to empower those who, you know, are of need is to help create jobs and income and industry for them um, rather than doing some other things that maybe I've done in the past. So to have this opportunity just, you know, it was, it just felt right on on so many levels.
2: The difference between making a dent and leaving a mark, right? Mm, Like how, how, um, how you truly impact that place that you leave behind. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we landed at El Shaddai specifically, Thinking, This isn't the first time these women who've climbed up this hill for how many ever hours yeah. have seen people show up. So mm-hmm. the question for them must be, great, thank you for coming and, mm-hmm. you know... Including us in your adventures, but uh, are, what are you actually going to be able to do that we can count on? Are you another person that I'm going to see once and that's it, or is there something here that we're building? Are we truly starting something? And I remember us having conversations about our commitment to that. Yeah, to that this would be something that would go beyond this this trip this this one-time event. So, Annie, do you have anything to add to that kind of social impact piece? What was different about this for you? Because, again, you've been all over Africa
4: mm-hmm. working
2: in developing capacities.
4: Yeah, I have. And, honestly, like, I echo everything Jen said. Um, for me, it was – I have worked in a lot of those. I did a, a year-long mission trip where we spent a month in every country. And so I did do a – I mean, a month is longer – than some trips but at the same time my heart would break because then I felt like another person that was entering these mm-hmm. people's lives and leaving and I was kind of like continuing on to some of those patterns and with this I got so excited because it it felt like this is an impact like mm-hmm. this is actually something that I can yeah. do for these people and show love and show like like bring them confidence and bring them security and knowing that that they have abilities and they have skills and talents, and we—I mean, we—we we paid them probably like three times their minimum wage, but it allowed them to plant seeds so that yeah. they could grow food for their children. Yeah.
2: Um, and the work that you two did specifically, which was kind of I will never forget when you took the red yarn and you um, had all the women and you were doing the training. Yeah. So that those who quite you know, weren't quite up to, um, standards in making jewelry that you could sell, sell stateside, still were learning something Mm -hmm. and still could turn around and either learn to get better or, um, go ahead and use that skill to buy whatever and make a necklace to sell in the marketplace there. Mm -hmm. So all of them were gaining some sort of trade, whether they were actually part of the crew that you ended up using to make all the jewelry or not, there was a benefit to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's unique, right? That's Mm -hmm. not something that usually happens. It's usually those who are chosen are chosen because of the skill. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily trained in a one-day sort of event. Um, And then... Rachel, I'll ask you the same question, but I also want to share kind of how that was watching you with the painters. But what was it about the social impact piece for you, obviously going on your trip to Columbia, that had started Mm -hmm. to brew in you?
1: Yeah, Um, I'd been on, like, the girls' multiple Mm -hmm. mission trips before, and it was a lot of... um, I would go on medical mission trips, and Mm -hmm. I had this lie in my brain, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm I'm just kind of here for support. Like, I'm not actually using any of my specific gifts, Mm -hmm. because I would... I wasn't performing any surgeries, I wasn't doing eye exams, I wasn't pulling teeth, but I was kind of in the background passing out rice and beans and I was like, I don't think this is really my unique gifting. Yeah. yeah. You were really good. Not that you weren't good. You yeah. passed yeah. out nice with so beans. much style. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't leave feeling like, oh, I'm really using my gifts. And yeah. this one, um and I didn't actually go back the next year. My mom went back. So I was like, I just don't there's got to be something more yeah. um, where I'm really using, you know, my gifts. And so this trip was the perfect opportunity for that where I, as an artist, can yeah. still help other people using my artistic ability. I actually
2: so. remember the first time we had coffee after uh, mm-hmm. Jen had said, hey, I have a friend who's an artist. Would you meet with her? Yeah. And thinking, okay, how sure yeah mm. how are we going to take an artist like mm-hmm. what what is the artist I didn't know you going to be able to teach in, ter- in terms of some sort of a trade or buy back like what are they creating because you're creating the art yeah. you're the artist and we sat together we had coffee we hit it off it was like yeah we got to figure out a way for her to come on this mm. trip uh, and then the first meeting we had where mm. everybody came mm-hmm. together that was okay hey, this is the team that's going you brought samples of what Mm -hmm. they were going to create. And I was absolutely floored. I was like, she has a plan. So for those of you, well, none of you can see,
1: (laughs) since you're listening. Imagine it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so Rachel had pre-printed these amazing designs that she had created. They were her original designs, and there was white space around them. And she took these 90 units, I think it Mm -hmm. was, to Africa with her in her suitcase, and then she taught these um they weren't even artisans I mean they were men and women who were willing to hike up the hill who needed work and you also did a training so you were Mm -hmm. it was uh, one day committed to training them and then picking the ones who you saw could really could really create these pieces and then she took gold and silver foil Mm -hmm and taught them how to embellish these pieces, mm-hmm. and they were extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there, it wasn't the kind of thing where I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it's from Africa. I should definitely buy it. It was like, that's amazing. Where do you get that? Um, did you know in that coffee meeting that that's what you had in mind? Did you know that you were going to be able to use your art in that specific way, or were you like, I- I'll figure it out?
1: No, I had no idea yet, um, but I wanted something, mm-hmm. one, that I knew would be sustainable that would sell. So I, I didn't want a piece that like my mom would buy
6: yeah, and then
1: maybe <laughs> one for my grandma for Christmas present. Yeah. And, then, and, then and then die. And it would die yeah. out. So I wanted something that would be sustainable so we're not coming in and doing this one time. Yeah. Um, so that, and you need to fit into that. Mm-hmm. And then it also needed to be something that could be taught in a day. Yeah. Um, and that was the challenge. I, wa- I mean, when we go back, I would actually, I know what lives inside of these women. I mean, I want to see what they create. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not have the time to do that on this trip. It was kind of uh, just yeah. a quick one day with them and then one day working. So it needed to be something that was um, really manageable to do in one day. So those are the two pieces that I needed. And to you've
2: been able to fill. reorder from them, which is yes. amazing. So yeah. you fulfilled the sustaining part of the, yeah. the mission, really. Uh, what do you think would be next in terms of working with them? Is it a matter of you going back out, or is it a matter of continuing these
1: sort of sustainable orders? Um, both. I want to keep um, the orders coming um, with these pieces and sending them. Um, I have another, another, I guess, collection that I want them to work on um, as well. And then I do want to go back and spend time with them and actually spend several days or maybe even a week painting with them and seeing what they create because that's that's true empowerment but that's what drew me to this project initially kind of going back to the first question is the dignity and actually working uh, for Mm. money as opposed to just Mm. a handout I think um, everybody appreciates what they have more when they've earned when they work for it I mean I've worked for everything that I have now and I know that I the dignity that comes from that and the Mm -hmm. confidence that comes from Working and and earning your your freedom.
2: There was also a moment that you guys all noticed. You all had mothers who had children. Yeah. And Rachel, you had one in particular who it was. She was breastfeeding and doing the you know trying to do the, the thing, and then the baby was so hungry because she really didn't have much to offer in the way of milk, and didn't want to go with anybody else. I tried to hold him for a while. And it became really evident that childcare was needed, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the same issues in the states that prevent women from being able to expand their own careers and move you know beyond motherhood. We saw.
4: In mm-hmm. one room,
2: in one day.
4: Oh yeah! And I remember looking over at you, Neda, and
2: you were had like three children. You're <laughs> awesome. Yes. But but it was like okay, so when you guys, as the artists, are um, the women as the artists are there, and there aren't. You know me and Lauren and a few other people who were holding the babies. What do we do? And so you guys included an additional dollar amount to make sure that they could have some childcare, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really great of you and a meal because they came hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for you guys, that was literally just
7: a few dollars,
2: Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm.
7: And for these women, that makes so much. Like our, um, we had ladies who had their babies tied to their backs as they were braiding, braiding Mm -hmm. everything, Mm -hmm. and.
1: Yeah. yeah. We and wanted to so. remove all obstacles. I know how hard it is to work when I'm hungry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I <just> can't <laughs> imagine having a baby strapped to me, so we wanted to create or remove all obstacles for them to create their best work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of a sudden thinking of
2: sustainability. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure they can create the art, have the work, have the tools to make the art, but that mm-hmm. they're not hungry, yeah. that their baby is being cared for by somebody.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, you know,
2: those are things that maybe we didn't anticipate going yeah. in and we needed to, it was an easy solution, something easy for us oh, to yeah. uh, take care of. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. also a great situation or a story with you guys where Carly, who is our photographer and I, were taking some video as we were leaving and they had just left um, working with you guys and you had just paid mm-hmm. them Or was it you? Was it you that had just paid them? And this one gal who was adorable would not stop giggling, and I was getting annoyed. I was like, "We need the shot, and I need you to stop laughing." And of course, the language barrier was a problem. And Carly was like, "Can you like do something? I need you to do something. Don't just stand there. Do something." (laughs) So I was like, "Why are you so happy?" And she showed me her money, and she was like, "I have money, Mm. and and my children will eat." And we were Uh. like. Sobbing instantly and just realizing the not just the immediate impact there, but as you guys said, what your work is going to be able to do long-term. So first of all, thank you for using your art to transform lives. Mm -hmm. I think it's
7: amazing. I think as as an artist here in the States with so much opportunity, um, endless opportunities, there's something just in me that wants to help an artist somewhere else who isn't as... Hmm. You know, so um, I I think it just runs really deep that, you know, we've been given so much. So, Mm. of course, we would want to help our brothers and sisters across the world who are trying to do the same thing Mm -hmm. and trying to launch their own business and trying to do what they love and create their art.
2: So there you have it, the women of Project Raiz, how they came um, together to take this once-in-a-lifetime trip. If you're interested in learning more about Project Raiz and how you might get involved, please visit us um, at projectraiz.com. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-R-A-I-Z.com. Uh, we are planning another trip for Mozambique in 2019. And would love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing and how uh, you might be interested in taking a trip like that. So now we're taking our summer break. Um, we are a little weary. We don't know about you guys, but we need uh, some vitamin D. Some I don't know. Some some. What else do we need, Elizabeth? I need some candy right now. <laughs> That's what I need. Um, some caffeine. Good music, some music some from the set. some boredom. Oh, that sounds brilliant. So we're going to um, ask you to join us on our little summer break adventure. And we've got a lot of great stuff coming your way in August. So we'll see you guys then. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty for Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Wyndham and music by Jordan Flower.
0: Hold up